If it's so simple, why is it so hard? This begins a series. There'll be four parts to this. Today, I want to deal with the subject of faith. Struggling seems to be an experience for many of us. You may not have had that experience, but I sure have. And as I grew up, I grew up in the church. I grew up this whole time. I've been a fourth-generation Adventist on both sides of my family, which is really hard to do. My grandfather, when he was 12, used to take Ellen White and James White back and forth to the railway station in the buggy. So you know that's a long time being there, how it happened. That was during the 1800s when I was born. So... So we're struggling with that. And I, and I did as well, uh, struggling with it. I remember my Bible teacher in academy would say to me as I was going through, he would say, Bill, how's your faith? I didn't have a clue what he was talking about. I didn't know what that meant. So I would just simply say, oh, it's great. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's good. It's good. Because then I would ignore any discussion with him whatsoever. Hey, then he went, because if I had said, well, it's not so struggling, oh, what is that about, he would say. So I just knew it was best to say that. So why is this faith thing so hard for me and so hard for others to do? Why is it such a struggle? And as I looked around as I was growing up and I was having people in my life in the church, and they would come along and they say, oh, their faith was strong, they were so happy and so forth. They're going, why were others seemed to get it and I wasn't? Why were they doing so well? And that was, and my problem was I didn't know how to do it, so I just faked it. Now, I'm sure none of you would do that. But sometimes that was. I would just fake it, just kind of go along with the flow and make it happen in my life to see that would progress. Some others, they had great faith, they had great faith in prayer. And there was a time in my life, as I, was in the, I quit praying altogether because I didn't say, what in the world is that? We're going to deal with that in one of these weeks coming forward about prayer. Prayer can be a real struggle for people. So how come they can get it and I don't? How come they catch on to this and make this happen? And I wasn't catching on and having a real difficult time with this thing called faith and what faith was about. And I said, well, maybe... Maybe I don't know what faith really is. Maybe I don't. I assumed, because everybody used the word, and I said, yeah, faith, faith, faith. Everybody will understand that, and that would make it happen. But maybe, maybe I didn't understand really what it was talking about. So when I, uh, old folks would say to this, I looked at this, I, th I thought this was funny. When I am asked, an old person in the church would say, when I'm asked about that, uh, what I say to them is I tell them what the Bible says. Isn't that great? Bible says, okay. So we look at the Bible text and it said, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And we say, it is as simple as that. See, I just share with them the Bible. Let the Bible happen like that. And my response was, cool, what does that mean? I have no idea what that means. And if I would press them, they said, well, it's plain. Isn't it plain? That's, that's what it is. And so it became an endless circle. And I got back to where I was before. So I just quit asking. Just stopped asking on it. So this morning... If you're there, or if you've been tempted to be there, pay attention. Pay attention. Because once I caught on to what it really was, it completely changed the whole thing. Completely changed it. 
So I'd ask you this morning, as we get to our blackboard, and we'll look and say, what is faith? What is faith? What does the Bible say when it talks about faith? Now, we have to be careful here because it uses the word faith all over through the scriptures. But let's get right down to it. When the Bible is generally talking about faith, it is not talking about the doctrines. It's not talking about, generally not talking about that. Even though Martin Luther, when he nailed those 95 theses to the door of the Wittenberg Chapel in 1517, he wasn't, that wasn't what the faith was. That wasn't what the Bible was talking about when it was talking about faith. And what we need to talk about in the experience of faith. That's not what it was about. So we can dismiss that for a few moments as we look at that, that that's not the topic. It is also not finding a church you'd like to attend, although I could recommend a very good one uh, to you this morning. But it's not that. It's not by finding a place where you would go to attend church. That would not be the the idea. Say, well, are you in the faith? When I grew up, if you were a Seventh-day Adventist, they'd say, are you in the faith? Are you in the faith? And I thought that, are you in the church? Did you, some of you have that in your background? Are you in the faith? Well, I'm in the church. Yeah, okay. Well, that meant I was in the door and I was warming a pew. So I was in the faith, you see? Not a clue about it. And it's not particularly about me getting up and preaching truth about it. Because we can preach, preach, preach truth. So that's not really what the Bible is talking about. So then, what is faith? Pay, Pay close attention here. What is faith? Well, actually, the word faith, almost always in the New Testament, is using the Greek word called pistos. It's a root word. And it is using the word faith. Also, that word faith can be interpreted and translated to be believe. So faith, in a sense, equals belief. And I would say, cool, that doesn't help me at all. Good, I I believe. So it also can mean trust. Now we're seeing something different. We'll show you an example of that. So faith, trust. Now, faith could be also translated to trust. So let's take a familiar passage that most of you all know, could say it by memory. If we look at John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever does what? Believeth, pistos, in him, should not perish, but have everlasting life. So you can see right there that word, that that word of belief is right there. We could say, whoever whosoever has faith in him should not perish. And we could also use the word trust in that particular passage. So we have faith, belief, trust, all kind of hanging together, working that passage together. Now, I believe that George Washington was the first president of the United States. I believe that. I wasn't present. I wasn't, I wasn't born until the mid-1800s. So, but I believe, I believe that to be true. I believe that. And there's all kinds of evidence. I bet if I would ask you, you'd believe that as well, wouldn't you? Yes, you'd all, yeah, 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 we all believe that. Even though you weren't there, 
You have no first-hand knowledge of it. You're getting it from books and other people telling you that. You get all that kind of stuff coming to you. So I accept and believe, I believe that it's true. In other words, I accept that it is true. I accepted that. that. That's a fact. I accept that. That's a fact in history. And therefore, I assume in my understanding of the world and of the history of the United States that he was the first one. That's what I accept. All right, now let's go back to our passage. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So if we continue on, we're not going to accepting a fact. We're going on to trust. So if we were to say that again, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever trusts in him should not perish but have eternal life. You see, I accept the fact that Christ died on the cross. I accept that as a fact. It's been there, and then I know in history and so forth, and as a Christian, as a going up and all this, I believe that to be. I trust that that's a fact in there. I accept that, but I trust Jesus' death on the cross gives me eternal life. That's far different. See, it's not just that I accept Jesus died on the cross as a fact of history. It's now that I've turned and say, I trust him to do something about my life and to give me eternal life. Now I am trusting his death for me. There's, there's a lot of, I'm not trusting George Washington for my life. See, I accept him. I accept that, that, that he was. I accept he was president. And, and, and I believe those facts. I trust in the facts that were given me. But I'm not trusting him to do something for my life today. This is a huge step in understanding what the Bible is talking about when it talks about faith. And I missed this somehow. I missed this going all the way up through. And it was all there. I just missed it as I was going through theology. I missed this part of it. I was just comfortable to say, I believe the facts and I trust the facts are true. But I didn't see how that applied to me, how trusting in Christ applied to me. Other than I was hoping that somehow I would get to heaven. That'd be great. And I thought I would get into heaven by grading on the curve. You know, God would kind of look around and say, well, you know, there's, there's Agnes and she is a, literally a saint. And I would look at her in church and just old lady in church, Agnes, and I said, she's going to heaven for sure, for sure. Look, she never does anything wrong. I now, as I got older, realized that Agnes could have been grumpy and all kinds of things. But, but at that time, I thought, oh, she's going. And so then we see, oh, well, they're pretty good. And I was hoping that somehow God would grade me and slip me in on the curve. That maybe he would be lenient down to the D and I could somehow fake it and get in. There are no. God does not grade on the curve. Does not. Only one person needed to pass the test and that was Christ. Only one. So I trust Christ's death. So would you find in your Bible Isaiah 
1.18. Isaiah chapter 1. Now, I put the, the um, page number after that so you could look at that uh, if you have one of our supplied Bibles there in the new. But I'd like you to look at so Please note this as we look at this in that context of trusting. So the real issue about all dealing with faith has to deal with the sin problem. That's where the thing is. Because now it's personal. You be lost or you're going to be saved. So now it becomes very personal. And so now we come up and we're going to look at uh, Isaiah verse 18, if you would. Come now, God says to us. Come now, all of you, come now. Let us settle the matter. If you're in the King James, it says, come let us reason together. It isn't interesting that God always calls us to come. You come, come to me, let's work this out. You come, let's reason and talk about it. God is not shy for us to argue with him and wonder about him. I used to think, oh, you don't dare say anything. No, God says, come challenge me. I don't care. Come say what you need to say. If you're angry with me, say so. The Bible certainly had that. So, so come and say what you have to say. We will reason together. So verse, continuing on with verse 18. Though your sins are like what? Scarlet. Though your sins are like scarlet... They shall be as white as snow. Though they are like that, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be like wool. So, the Bible here in Isaiah 1, right off the bat in his book, is telling us, through trusting Jesus, saves me from my sins. That's it. He saves me from my sins. George Washington won't save me from my sins. Only Christ saves me from my sins. All my good works as a pastor don't save me from my sins. Only Christ. So I put my trust in Christ. You see. John, uh, just you can write these down, but John uh, 20 goes on. But these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. See, you may trust, same word, you may trust that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing or trusting, you may have eternal life. How do I get eternal life? By trusting in Jesus. See? By trusting in him. His life is what I trust in. Do you see how that takes a tremendous burden off of your shoulders of trying to prove that you're good enough? It never will be good enough. So stop the struggle and rely on Christ. When this finally dawned in my mind, when it finally hit me, Jesus became my friend. Before that, I didn't, there was no love for Christ. To be honest, there was no love for Christ. Oh, I was supposed to say I love Christ, but there really wasn't any because I didn't realize what he had done. And I didn't realize what, what he had done to take care of my sin. I was trying to get in on the curve. And I knew it wasn't going to make it. I knew I wasn't. Ezekiel, 
I will give you, what? A new heart and put a new, or create in you, put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh. Who will do that? God will do that. Jesus does that for us. So what is being transpired in there and then that sharing of that moment is, Bill, your heart of stone, because you weren't loving, you weren't carrying your heart of stone, you're trying to worry, I will give you a new heart. I will change your heart. I will give you a night spirit in me. Just trust me. So I, I found this little thing from Ellen White. Now, this is from Steps to Jesus. Do you see that at the bottom there? Steps to Jesus. Steps to Jesus is a, where they took the Steps to Christ and they kind of broke up the sentences a little bit so it's a little easier to read. And because in the old times, in the, when I was um, in the 1800s, they wrote these long sentences. Um, but now we like them much shorter. So they, they've just taken and broken up the sentences a little bit. So it just reads a little different. But the message is exactly the same. Thousands, thousands, fail to believe that Jesus pardons each person. Thousands fail to believe that Jesus pardons each person. Bill was part of the thousands who failed to believe. Are you? They do not believe what he says. I would say, oh, yeah, yeah, I do. But deep in, no. Every person who truly repents can know for himself that God freely pardons every sin. There it is. Repentance, sincerely repentance, Lord, I am so sorry. God says, thank you, I forgive you. It's all taken care of. You're as white as snow. But I recognize that the decision to trust can be a tough step. It can be a tough step. Okay, now we're going to go to Romans 10 because this speaks to all of us here in the church. Romans chapter 10. We want to look at Romans chapter 10 because he picks up this story and picks up this theme again. We want to look and check this out again. So find Romans chapter 10. And I would like for you to pick up, and we're going to pick this up with verse 12. So follow that in your Bible. Would you Romans chapter 10, verse 12? For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. There is no difference. Now, most of us, I assume, are Gentiles. I certainly am, and I were the outcasts in those day. But here, is, here comes uh, Paul, and he's saying, there is no difference. No difference in God's eyes. No difference. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses All who do what? Call on him. All who call on him. For, going on verse 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be what? Will be saved. 
Everyone who calls upon them, everyone who comes and said, to him will be saved. Isn't that interesting? Here we find that he is quoting from Joel chapter 2, Old Testament. Everyone who calls on him will be saved and so forth. Everyone will come forward with that. Now, if you recall, this was the experience of the thief on the cross. Thief on the cross. Isn't it interesting that when he came, there was no question about, well, let me consider you. Uh, how has your life been? Well, you've been a thief. Boy, that's not going to sail very well on the scale of uh, A through F if we're grading by the curve. But that's going to be tough. I thought I'd be ahead of the thief on the cross because I hadn't killed anybody or stolen. But you see, see the reason he gave that because there is one who would pardon him and forgive him of his sins, cleanse him from all unrighteousness, and give him eternal life. And he said that to, that to him that day. You see, whoever calls upon him, Lord, save me in your kingdom, he said, you got it. You got it. Going on, verse 14. So, then he asks some questions. Paul does. How then can they call on the one they do not believe in? Or trust it. Same word. And how can they believe in one of whom they have not heard? Don't understand. You see, because of my mindset, I wasn't really hearing what people were saying. Because I'd already preconceived what it was to be. And so I really wasn't hearing the grace of Christ. Do you see that? And so I was blocking that out, trying to see it through my own understanding. Of why I perceived it instead of the way Christ perceived it, instead of the way Scripture perceived it. So the Bible asks us, and who can, and how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? Goes on. And how can they hear without someone preaching to them or proclaiming the truth to them? So my transformation came, my freedom came in Christ Jesus came one Sabbath after church. And I'd preached an outstanding sermon. Now you, some of you may doubt that. But, but I was on my way out of church, and I was greeting people at the back door, like was our tradition then. And so as people were coming out, and this lady said, well, that was a very nice sermon. And I said, of course it was. I'm just teasing you. But she said, you don't understand the gospel. I was immediately angry. I smiled. Thank you for sharing that with me. Who's next? <laughs> she said, I'd like it. And she pulled into her purse and she pulled out a tape. Preachers don't listen to tapes. You know. we will, we'll go halfway around the world to give a sermon, but we won't walk across the street to hear one. It's just... That's just our nature. So she gave me a tape. You ought to listen to this. Oh, really? This is me inside. On the outside, well, thank you. Thank you so much. So I'll never forget, I was walking. I had it in my pocket. And I was walking home to my apartment, which was not very far away. And as I was walking home in my apartment, I'm 
I'm stewing. I've had training. I'm, I'm a pastor. Who in the world is this woman? What she thinks she's saying to me? Ba, 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 and they're just grumbling. You know how you do sometimes? Maybe you don't. But I grumbled all the way home. Two blocks. So I shoved down my food. I got out a tape recorder and said, I'm going to prove that she is wrong. And I plugged it in and listened and found out I didn't. And Morris Venden led me to check Ellen White. And it's surprising to everybody, Ellen White taught me the grace of Christ. I wouldn't accept it from anybody else. But I believed Ellen White. And so Ellen White taught me the great grace of Christ. That's not everybody's experience because some people get stuck in me, but she did for me. And it's the first time in my life I have been free to love Christ as my Savior. Continuing on. Verse 15. And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Quoting out of Isaiah again. How beautiful they are. But not all of Israel accepted the good news. Including me. For Isaiah says, Lord, who will believe our message? What is the message that was to believe? It's not the Sabbath message that was to believe. It was the grace of Christ that was to be believed. That's what it was. That's what transforms. The Sabbath is important. Please don't misunderstand. But the message that needs to be given is, Christ is here to save you from your sins, to give you eternal life. That's the thing. That's the bottom line. Paul says that's, that's of first importance. Of all the stuff, that's of first importance. Amen. And Israel didn't get it, even though he's right there in front of them. Consequently, verse 17, faith comes by hearing. Trust comes by hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word of Christ, through the scriptures. Through the scriptures. You see the message. Is trusting Jesus. To save them. And we find that. In God's word. Now this morning. I put up this picture because. That was me. In the lead. <laughs> the blind. Leading the plot. And that experience was very humbling to me. I have learned through these years of pastoring to listen to the laity in my church because they can offer me great truth. And I've been taught by them many times. They didn't know it, but I was going, ooh, that's true, and learn new things. But this event, I haven't seen this lady since that day. I never got a chance to tell her, you changed my life. You changed my life. In heaven. So this morning, I got to ask you this. Have you got it? 
Have you got what I'm talking about? If you haven't, here, here's a way to know. Can you genuinely know that you love Jesus? Can you genuinely know what it means to be saved and to be covered and to be free? If you're not there, please get there. We're glad to help you. Because you will love that experience. It sets me on fire to have that experience. And so when I kneel down, when I pray, when I walk by, when I communicate with God, and I have that, it is filled with joy because I'm back with my friend, not my condemning judge. And that's why there's joy in the house. So if it's so simple, why is it so hard? It is simple. If you can get past your own blockade. Dear Lord, I thank you for the great truth of Scripture. So many of us are blinded to it because we don't see. We're, she's right, thousands, because we don't believe, because we don't understand. Or maybe, Lord, there's things in our life that think, oh, that could never be forgiven. But you have promised you would forgive everything. Amen. You forgave Peter for denying you. And restored him. Gave him eternal life. I thank you Lord for this great truth. That you gave of the great grace. Please Lord help us. To take it out of the hard. And move it to the simple. That we may understand. And live in the joy of our Lord. In his name. Amen.